From the Financial Times in London, I'm Matthew Vincent and this is FT News. Storing electricity in big batteries is getting cheaper and is set to change industries. That was the message of a new report from Lazard, the investment bank, this week. It found that the cost of large high-power batteries is falling to the point that they are becoming increasingly viable for supporting power grids as well as providing domestic and automotive power. So how long will it be before the holy grail of large-scale electricity storage is a reality? Well, to find out, I'm joined by our science editor, Clive Cookson, and our motor industry correspondent, Andy Sharman. Clive, if I can come to you first of all, there seems to be a lot of excitement about the battery sort of technology industry these days, um, and it's not the first time you know, that there's been an advance heralded. The biggest advance was actually in 1991 when Sony introduced the lithium-ion battery for the first time, and the excitement now is the result of more than 15 years of improving the lithium-ion, improving production, cutting costs, and making it suitable for everything from a tiny little smartphone through electric cars through to the latest excitement, which is about grid storage. And how far have we come since the 1990s? What is possible now? What's possible now is to combine the individual lithium-ion cells into huge super batteries. And those are very, very important as we go into more and more use of renewable energy sources. Because obviously the sun doesn't shine at night, the wind doesn't blow the whole time, and to make full use of renewables and reduce carbon emissions, you have to have an efficient way of storing sunshine during the day to release at night, wind to release when it's calm. A really efficient grid storage system would transform energy generation economics. It sounds like this is what Lazar's been talking about in in its report. Exactly so, yes. Andy, if I can turn to you now, um, when you look at electric cars today, the idea of a super battery or uh, a solution to the challenge still seems a bit of a way off. Uh, it, It doesn't feel like the industry has cracked sort of mass market battery power yet. Is that fair? I think that's very fair. I think people should be astounded at the achievements that have been made. I mean, we look at Tesla, and I mean, if I could just give you some of the stats, 330 miles on a single charge. 0 to 60 miles an hour in 2.8 seconds, which is just ridiculous. And charging via their free superchargers, you can get sort of a 50% top-up in 20 minutes, which is, you know, for most people, fantastic. And not that I want to do a good job of Tesla's PR. I mean, they do a very good job of that themselves. Mr. Musk is an expert. But this has clearly forced premium manufacturers to start thinking about how they might respond. And we've seen in the last two months similarly capable prototypes from Audi, Porsche, Aston Martin. There's a real sense of critical mass at the top end. But in the mass market, it's still very much about compromise. I mean, manufacturers like Renault and Nissan talk about range anxiety being a thing of the past, but I've experienced my own bout of that illness only weeks ago on the M1. It's very real. You know, people are still concerned that these cars unless you're going to pay a lot of money, they either don't have enough range, you have to charge them up frequently enough, or they're just not big enough for people with families. So it's the range to cost ratio that seems to be at the heart of the problem at the moment. It all comes down to cost, right? I mean, if the batteries were cheaper, either the costs of the cars themselves would come down, or the manufacturers would be able to add more cells into the cars and therefore increase the range so you wouldn't have to charge them so frequently. So, I mean, I think that's why the Lazard story is so important, because... 
any sign that battery costs are coming down would be huge for the market for electric vehicles. I think it would signal a huge shift. Clive, what sort of batteries are we talking about? You mentioned lithium-ion earlier. Are they the predominant type? Are there other types? Lithium-ion is the predominant type now, and all the analysts are saying it will be for a few years. But there's some exciting new technologies coming along. Lithium seems to be the key ingredient because it's the lightest metal, and therefore you're likely to be able to pack in the most energy into the smallest weight. For example, there's a technology called lithium air or lithium oxygen, which in principle could pack in five times, maybe even more, energy density than the current lithium-ion technology. Now, that's not going to be available commercially for 10 years. But if that was possible, it would be the first battery that could relieve you from serious range anxiety, the first battery that could pack in as much energy into a given volume as a tank of petrol or gasoline. And companies like Tesla and and others are also working on on battery technology for other uses. Domestic use is is one that's sometimes cited. What sort of batteries are those? Are they the same ones? Those are the same ones. What's so interesting about battery technology is that many types of batteries can span everything from these tiny consumer devices right through cars up to domestic storage through to sort of multi-megawatt grid storage. Certainly the lithium air battery that I talked about earlier would be a game changer for cars, for grid storage and for tiny little devices. But until we get that game changer, Andy, what's the business model that the car manufacturers are going to pursue? Is it um, get over your range anxiety and plug it in and charge it yourself? Are there other solutions? They have been tried, but I think the conclusion is there really isn't another model. I mean, charging seems to be the way ahead, really. I mean, there was a company, a famous example, a company called Better Place, an Israeli-American startup, which tried a battery swap model, because the theory was that one of the big problems with electric cars is they take so long to recharge. So why not alleviate that by just switching out the the depleted battery for, for a new one? But, you know, they ran into problems. Demand for the cars, which were slightly higher than they'd expected in terms of the price point, the demand was low. The battery swap stations themselves cost so much to build because batteries for cars are very large and it's it's not a simple task to swap them over. So you need robots and it's all rather protracted. Tesla showed their own battery swap prototype to great fanfare in 2013, just a month after Better Place collapsed. But two years later, at a shareholder meeting this year, Elon Musk said, look, no one was really interested in it. No one wants that. I mean, the the superchargers are fast enough. And that means that charging does seem to be the, the sort of dominant way forward, which in itself is a challenge for cities, right? Because many people in cities don't have access to home charging. Public charging stations, as people in London will know, often don't work. And there are also questions about whether the grid could support mass adoption of electric cars. So it does feel like we need alternative business models. So finally, Clive, is this as much an infrastructure problem as a technology problem? It certainly is for the electric vehicle market and very much so for the electricity grid market. I mean, these big grid storage facilities are going to cost tens of millions of pounds to install, and they have to be fixed so that they will keep the grid stable. It's not just a question of plugging in a big battery and connecting all the solar panels to it. Putting it all in with the other power stations, the standby gas power stations, is a big infrastructure in the electricity industry, yes. 
And Andy, do we see signs of any work being done on that for the automotive industry? Well, Tesla is interesting in another way because, in a sense, it's developed its own infrastructure. So it's not just a car company. It's also an energy infrastructure company. It's got a network of superchargers. The real challenge, though, is for public authorities to invest to get as many public charging points as we can with associated parking. Because, you know, it's all very well having a charging point, but you don't want to get to the charging point and find there's a huge, great diesel van in your way. So it's a big challenge. Well, we shall see if the developments come as as fast as the electric cars can travel. For now, though, thank you very much, Clive Cookson and uh, Andy Sharman. And for more on the business uses of battery technology, visit ft.com forward slash Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.